on, on today's, today's daily, daily podcast. podcast. I think the overwhelmness feeling for me comes from length of syllabus. Mm. Like if I have yeah. a syllabus that yeah. is 11 pages long, but like the schedule is only covering one page and then the rest is just like code of conduct and like what the assignments are going to be. I get really like stressed mm. out and I'm like, whoa, these assignments must be really hefty. <laughs> but if it's just like a two page, like the front page is like the course schedule and then the back page is just like how much each assignment is worth and I'm like okay this is simple easy I can do this I think the big thing is like having a professor that wants you to succeed I think like regardless of the class if it's like a class I don't like and but the professor is like super helpful super like just there for you and like you can talk to then just like having a professor that wants you to succeed wants you to succeed it's like very hard to like do bad in those classes regardless of if you like don't like it yeah, I would say the ideal class, the first ideal class, would be like maybe hitting the broad points of the syllabus, expecting you to like go through it at some point, um, hearing why they're passionate about the subject, why they're doing this, um, and then I don't think it should be like moving straight into the coursework. I should be it should be like fielding questions, like what concerns do you have about the class, like looking at, through the syllabus at first, like what do you think of the assignments. How's the reading load like that? Like kind of gauging the interest level of like the students in your class and then going from there. I always look and see if a professor's counting like participation as like something like super high. Like if it's like five, ten percent, I'm like, okay, whatever. If it's like twenty percent, twenty-five percent, I'm like Bye. <laughs> for students to use the syllabus because I mean how often do we hear a professor say just read the syllabus? Um if I can only get them to the first page what they pull up on a Google Doc, mm -hmm. then at least the key due dates are right there. Like, they mm -hmm. don't have to hunt for it. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, I admit, even my syllabi are long. Sometimes they have to be. Um, and you can look and look, and if they can't find something quickly, it's a defeatist thing. And I respect that. We're all really, really busy. So if you put it up front for them, they don't have to look for it. We explore the world of syllabus creation from both a student and faculty perspective. What makes a good syllabus? What is an ideal syllabus? And why do we need them? I'm Zariel Anthony. And I'm Chris Belote. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Steely Podcast. Podcast. All, All students, students consider, consider engage, engage with us. Our podcast begins with a conversation with one of our favorite professors, Dr. Mark Hofer. All right. Welcome back to the Steely Podcast. Uh, today we are talking about the syllabus. Guys, what is your ideal way to start a class? If there was no syllabus, if there was no intro class where you're just reading the syllabus, how would you want your class to start? Why is everyone looking at me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. I, I think um, I had a class my sophomore year that I liked the way that he introduced the class, which was with a clip that was relevant to the class, but it was a, from a Nicki Minaj documentary. <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Um, just because it was like, oh, we're gonna pull like things that are like relevant in like pop culture and media um, into the class, which I really liked because I feel like that's interesting for everyone. Cause like everyone can kind of relate to that. Um, but yeah, it was fun. What class was this? This was my intro to GSWS class, oh, yeah. yeah. I think for me it's more about like no. F I think for me it's more about no fluff. So I like just walking the class, and he's like, "These are the assignments. This is like what I expect. This is like the attendance rule." 
so like you know it before so you can like dro drop it if you want I just like kind of knowing the expectations that he holds and like that I don't have to kind of dread going to class for the next semester so I do just like knowing what's gonna happen and how he's gonna grade you and that's about it for me hmm I definitely agree. I definitely, since I'm like a STEM major, I think the best way to go into those classes, it's not really the kind of situations where we can watch Nicki Minaj documentaries, <laughs> but I definitely think it's a good thing to like lay out assignment expectations and exams and especially like what we can have fault on, like how many classes you're allowed to miss or if you're allowed to drop exams. I definitely would love to know that at the very beginning of the semester. Doesn't it feel overwhelming though when you see the whole class laid out that way and you look at all of the like the weeks and all of the assignments and I, I mean I understand what you mean like sort of getting oriented and kind of but to me I just remember I mean it's been a long time ago since I sat in an undergrad class but I remember <laughs> just being totally overwhelmed looking at kind of what was ahead I think the overwhelmness feeling for me comes from length of syllabus. Mm. Like if I have yeah. a syllabus that yeah. is 11 pages long, but like the schedule is only covering one page and then the rest is just like code of conduct and like what the assignments are going to be, I get really like stressed mm. out and I'm like, whoa, these assignments must be really hefty. <laughs> but if it's just like a two page, like the front page is like the course schedule and then the back page is just like how much each assignment is worth and I'm like okay this is simple easy I can hmm. do this I always find myself just opening the syllabus and going straight to the assignments and like the percentage of the assignments I don't really I don't look at the calendar necessarily because like that takes a lot of space of the pages so I just go I just go straight there so hmm. for me it's more that yeah for me it's the assignments and the attendance policy that I look at first and foremost um, but like the first class, I would rather them not like go strictly through the syllabus because I feel like you're gonna be referencing it like all semester. You don't need that class to do that. I kind of like hearing the why, like mm. why the professor is interested in the course, why the professor is teaching that course. Um, it just kind of makes a personal connection to the topic, which I find interesting and worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I have a few things to say on that. I know you said that like other people are like looking at the assignments. I always look and see if a professor's counting like participation as like mm. something like super high. Like if it's like five, ten percent, I'm like, okay, whatever. If it's like twenty percent, twenty-five percent, I'm like bye. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> like that. But I also think like I'll I look at the syllabus. I like to look at like what the assignments are because I'm like if there's like tests instead of papers and I'm like mm, just drop it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but sometimes I'll like look at a syllabus if they have it up on Blackboard before the classes actually start. And I'm like, I still feel like I need to go to the first class at least because like sometimes like a syllabus will look like great and you're like, cool, like I'm set. But then the professor's like super boring and dry, which happened to me this semester. And oh, I no. dropped that class immediately after I went to the first <laughs> session. <laughs> like that or like a syllabus might look like really hard or like challenging but you'll go in class and the professor's like really nice and you know that that's someone that you can work with so I think that it's really important to like but to look at the syllabus but also to kind of hmm. hear from your professor about the syllabus 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happened to me actually last year. The professor put out like before classes had started on Blackboard the syllabus, and it was eleven pages long. And I was definitely considering like dropping, like strongly considering, but it was like a call one fifty. So of course all of them were full. I had no other options, so I still went to the class. But it turned out to be, it wasn't chill, but it wasn't eleven page syllabus stressful. So. Yeah. Mm. So. If, when you, I remember Jacob last year talking about like window shopping, you know, the first week or two of classes to see what he wanted to take, you know. And um, so I'm curious, like, what, so Jess, you said, you know, that one professor very dry, other professor more engaging. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what would that first class look like if, if you got the syllabus in advance or maybe just the professor just would hit the highlights, you know, just a little bit? But like, what would that class look like? What would be like a really good, first class to help you decide, like, is this a good fit for me? Or is this a class I'm gonna be excited about? Or is it maybe just something I'm stuck with, you know, and I need to do for my major? I think what Sam said was really good about the professor introducing the class with like their own experience and why they wanted to teach it to make a personal connection. I feel like that within itself is a really good way of like understanding the professor's expect expectations of you. I feel like if I know that like why they wanted to teach this and like why they're so passionate about it, I'd be more likely to like invest more of my time into it. Hmm. I think the big thing is like having a professor that wants you to succeed. I think like regardless of the class, if it's like a class I don't like, and but the professor is like super helpful, super like just there for you and like, you can talk to, then just like having a professor that wants you succeed, wants you to succeed, it's like very hard to like do bad in those classes regardless of if you like don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's it, like just having a professor that's there actually for you and not just like calc, blah, 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 like they start doing problems <laughs> on the board, you know, it's like somebody who's actually there to support you is a big thing for me. Yeah, I would say the ideal class, the first ideal class would be like maybe hitting the broad points of the syllabus, expecting you to like go through it at some point, um, hearing why they're passionate about the subject, why they're doing this, um, and then I don't think it should be like moving straight into the coursework, I should be, it should be like fielding questions, like what concerns mm. do you have about the class, like looking at, through the syllabus at first, mm. like what do you think of the assignments? How's the reading load like that? Like kind of gauging the interest level of like the students in your class and then going from there and making adjustments if needed. I do like professors that make adjustments that they say like we can adjust throughout and then they actually do it. That's mm -hmm. a big thing when they're willing to like work with you and they tell you that in the first class. Like there will be adjustments like this is not a hard copy. Mm. That's really nice. Yeah, one of my classes this semester, we're on our like fourth version of the syllabus <laughs> that just got changed like last week <laughs> so I mean it's definitely nice having that support system where like they understand that you guys are come first like that's why they're there they're here to teach you and having that support system is really reassuring I would say I agree with what like everyone's kind of been saying I think also like in addition to like knowing like why a professor like cares about a class or like making sure that like you know or have a feeling that like they care about you as a student um that there's like a level of respect between like you and your professor because like this is gonna <laughs> i don't know if this is gonna sound stupid but like if a professor is like i'm gonna assign like a five-page paper over thanksgiving break then it's like 
well, you don't respect me or my time mm. or like the the space and that I need to, you know, recharge to, you know, take care of myself and my mental health and whatever I need to do with that time. So like things like that, I'm like, mm. are you going to yeah. have a certain level of respect for my time? Because obviously I'm respecting your time when I come to class and I'm respectful in class. So like it needs to be mutual. Yeah, I actually had a professor that did that. It was actually Dr. A that did that. No. We have a rough draft of a five to seven page paper due this upcoming Monday. Oh. And then the final draft is due the Friday after we get back from break. I, and I doubt we'll have time to like look at the notes she's gonna give us for the rough draft. But it's mm -hmm. fine. She's still a good teacher. It's fine. <laughs> so you talked about like sort of tone, like Bethany, you references Jess, you know, like getting a feel for what the professor's gonna be like and what the climate of the class is gonna be like. What, like, what would you look for or could you see things in the syllabus that would give you clues to that too? Like, are there, th like, have you seen syllabi that were done in a way that kind of give, that reflect the personality of the professor to kind of see that in advance or no? Or are they just really, when there's a lot of like definite or like I don't know what the word I want is like finalized language when it's like you have to have this turned in mm -hmm. by this day I don't give extensions I don't do this yeah when things blah, are blah, blah. bolded and underlined yes. it's yeah because yeah. <laughs> a certain like, tone <laughs> okay it doesn't sound like you want to work with me because sometimes it's like sometimes I'm like I just have three assignments due in one week and I need an extension on one of them so like can you please just give me an extension because I know that you're not going to be able to read mine. Like you can just read mine at the end of when you're grading things rather at the beginning and it won't make a difference because I've turned it in like two days later. So when there's a lot of that kind of language within the syllabus, I'm like, this is maybe not a good sign. Mm. Um, I was going to say, not necessarily like the syllabus, it's more of like when they send an email with mm. the syllabus, like they introduce themselves okay. rather than just like posting it on Blackboard. So it's like they give that little like spiel of like who they are and like mm -hmm. kind of stuff before with the syllabus rather than just posting the syllabus. Cause I think a lot of the syllabus is like are generic and you can't mm -hmm. really add personality to it. Um, so just like taking the extra step of sending an email about who they are, or like posting like an introduction video with it mm -hmm. is like a big thing. I feel like that can get dangerous though because I feel like I feel like it's like 50-50 like either a professor's really good when they send an email with the syllabus mm -hmm. or they're like here's the syllabus and also you have a 30-page reading for the first day of class <laughs> and I'm like I don't even know if I want to take this class yet why are you making me do a reading for the first day so yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's really 50-50 with the emails for me mm -hmm. just like the emails that where they purely are just like introducing themselves yeah. Yeah. like the work ones are like a little bit of a red flag. A lot of the stuff we've been mentioning, like the support system and making sure that the students know that the teachers support them, I feel like a lot of that stuff is really difficult to come across in like just the syllabus mm. of the first class. Like I know for me, my organic chemistry professor right now, I didn't really get much from the first class, but like throughout the semester, she definitely showed like she 
supported us a lot. Like she personally sent emails out to like all 60 or so of the students who had done well on the exam. And she'll like constantly put like little excursions in our notes and like have cute little memes that aren't funny, but like she tries. <laughs> and she'll do like stuff like bake, Breaking Bad or like aspirin and like making soap that's pretty cute. So I feel like a lot of that kind of stuff can come throughout the semester. Mm. Yeah, it's maybe, it's hard to like cram it all in, you know, either to the syllabus or the first class. But like one thing that, believe it or not, I was reading about syllabus design last or year two years ago i guess when we were kind of providing lots of resources for faculty you know and the distinction i saw was like there's the contract syllabus as contract like you know you shall do this and this is what i shall do and you know and it's very almost like legalistic and sort of just sort of like what you were saying like this is you know late assignments will you know have this penalty and so forth and then the other way to look at it which is more sort of student focused but maybe not what you guys want, which is more of like a course map or more sort of saying like what you mentioned early on, like the why, like starting with the why, starting with like what what's really important about this topic and how might it be helpful to you moving forward either in your major or your academic career, or, you know, out into, you know, the career or whatever. Um, and sort of really trying to frame it in a way of things that like the professor at least thinks that the students care about you know and that have value to them and having more of that focus on um, connection and you know maybe well-being and stuff like that but but I'm curious but the way we started was like I go right to the assignment listing you know I don't want I don't want 11 pages you know so <laughs> it's like it's making me wonder it's making me second guess I guess that like the purpose of that and maybe that's not maybe the syllabus isn't the place for that maybe it's like an introductory video or an email or the first class session or something so I guess I'd be curious, like, what what resonates with you? Like, what, what would you, because I think everybody, hopefully, everybody, the professor and all the students want that first class to be positive, you know, and be, like, set the, a positive tone. So, like, what what does that look like? What would that, you know, how would you do that? Sort of balance that need to kind of convey information with trying to build connection or rapport. Well, I think with what you were saying, I think with, like, checking assignments and making sure that the grade distribution isn't, like, crazy, I feel mm -hmm. like for a lot of students, it's, like, the very, very first impression or, like, that's the first box they need to check to make sure that they can, like, at the very least get through the class without feeling like they're going to lose their head mm -hmm. and be stressed all the time. After that, I feel like you can dig a lot deeper into the syllabus and the professor and make sure and like sort of gauge if this professor is a good fit with you, like how you're, how much you're gonna engage in the class depending on like what the professor is like and mm -hmm. how they communicate, how well they give assignments and things like that. Mm -hmm. This is the Steely Podcast, engage with us. So dream first class, dream syllabus, what are the boxes that need to be checked? What do you wanna see, realistic or unrealistic? Let's talk about that. <laughs> Okay, I feel like this is completely unrealistic because this is just not how how any of my classes work or have ever worked. But I would love if all my assignments, like all the stuff that I had to like do for class were just podcasts because I like <laughs> I like it when my professors assign podcasts because I'm like I can listen and I can also get other things done like do my laundry or like dust my room and then I feel extra productive and then I feel good and that like sets me up for like a good day so it's like a double win 
Um, then I get to have a little podcast and I get to do something else that's productive. But also, I would love if all of my assignments were like like zero tests, no tests, also no participation grade ever. <laughs> but if all my assignments could be just like super random like creative projects. Like I've done projects for classes before where they're like, just like do a creative project, like get it approved by me first, but like you can do kind of whatever. And I've done like, I've like choreographed dances as like an assignment before, which like, I love that. I'd also love if maybe I could just like make a little something out of like some Play-Doh and be like, here's, this is my project. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd love to just be able to like do a little something that's like not so academic all the time. Mm. So ideally, that would be all of my classes. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's more of like take home. Like everything, if mm. there is, it's just take home. Not even because like, I just like the environment of being out of the classroom. I think everybody's so stressed when you're taking a test and like you've been cramming for hours, you're sleep deprived. Like it's just a whole different atmosphere. And like, it's hard to succeed in an atmosphere when everybody's stressing out mm. and they're like, did you study this? And you're like, I didn't even know it was gonna be on the exam. <laughs> you know, like it's just so, yes. you're not gonna win in that situation. So just taking every, like everything is take home. I low-key do like the participation grades. Cause I no. think they're easy points. No. Just, you just no, say one no. thing. No, it's so hard. You just say one thing and then you're good. You're good. I just think it's easy points. It's just it's boost you up easy there. not points. Those are the hardest points. I'm like, I can do everything else in the class, but participation is like the death of me. It's hard enough for me it. to focus like on oh what the teacher's God. saying, like <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to say and focusing mm. on that. I just have too many thoughts going on that I just want to like listen, do my work, and get out. It's <laughs> really interesting. I never like I've never had an issue with participation. I know some people do and like I totally understand that, but I feel like in the classes where participation isn't as heavily weighted, I have found myself like just naturally listening more, which I felt has been very beneficial to like just sort of listen and like understand really what the teacher is saying instead of like trying to think of whatever like smart thing I'm gonna say next. Mm. And also about like tests and whatnot. I love a good public exam. I think sometimes take-homes aren't really realistic when like a lot of times for like some of these like classes where people might be pre-med or like doing like stuff like that, memorization is key. But like for a public exam where like just being able to see what the actual paper is going to look like and what, like even just knowing what the font is gonna be, I already feel like I'm more prepared because my eyes are already used to what it's looking like. So I'm not gonna be as scared when I go into the classroom and I sit down and I get the piece of paper and I'm like, oh my God, I've never even seen this font before. Like what's going on? <laughs> if professors could like on the first day like show an example of like an assignment A and be like, this is what I expect. Like mm. I've never had a class that like has shown like this is what success looks like in my class. Mm. So I feel like just showing an assignment or showing just like how to do well or like what's expected, it's like they always tell you what's expected, but it's never like actually shown. Like first day of class, this is an A podcast, and then you listen to the podcast, so you actually see an example rather than just being told. I, I have to like maybe disagree a little. I feel like for me, when professors give examples, I sort of like – hold myself to that mm. standard, which mm -hmm. can be like really, really detrimental, especially in like humanities classes where like the point is that every student has a different perspective. Mm. So if I'm looking at an A example, I'm like, 
oh shit, mine doesn't sound anything like this. Like, am I going <laughs> to fail because I have a completely different perspective than this person? So I feel like just like maybe going to office hours or having the professor like line out in an email, like just do this, this, and this, and you'll get at least a B. Outside of that, I just want you to use your own voice and like be creative. Like don't try to live up to any standards. I definitely vibe with that a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I do like the examples. I think, with, especially in humanity courses, which I usually take, um, if there is an example, you have to like really take it with a grain of salt because it's not going to be like the same exact prompt. It's not going to, you're not going to have the same thoughts on the thing. Um, I don't really like compare my work directly with that. I just look at how they structured their paper and like how they came to their conclusions and then go from there. It's like understanding their thought process a little bit and then kind of applying how they got there to mine. I'm not as advanced as that. I can't I can't, I can't read a <laughs> paper anything, and be like, oh, this is how they got there. I'm like, uh, or if anything, you can, they can provide more than one example mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. Then there's many different perspectives and maybe like two eight papers actually disagree with each other, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like just adding that kind of element, which I'd, it was hard, but... Hmm. If that happened, it would be cool. Yeah, I I also like the example papers. I feel like one of the well, I'm not gonna say one of the hardest, but one thing that I have found hard in classes before is like knowing what format my my writing should take. Mm-hmm. And when there's an example, you can see exactly what mm-hmm. format the professor is looking for. And I'm like, okay, this makes my job like so much easier. Now I just need to figure out like what I'm actually gonna talk about because like I have the format set. Mm-hmm. And there was one other thing that I I really liked that a professor did that I honestly kind of wish other professors would do. And like, this is also me because I don't like to take tests, but this was a class that I was taking where we had like a midterm and a final. And what she did was she gave us a list on the first day of classes of all of the questions that possibly could have been on the final. And there weren't like a ton of questions, but she was like, there will be no questions on the final that aren't on this sheet. So if you do, if you like ask yourself this question and you can answer it while you're doing the reading throughout the semester, then like by the time for the final, like you'll be set, like you don't really need to do anything. And I thought that that was really helpful because that like helps me, you know, think about the readings better, think about what we're talking in class better, like what I should be focusing on, what's important, like what are the takeaways that I need from this class that she wants me to take away from this class, um, which I thought was like, productive and also like less stressful yeah I love that Mm. like that's what that's what people should do I will say for like a lot of the classes that I have that professors might do that like they'll just put like a study guide out for like an exam or a quiz and it'll basically just be like everything that you should know but it's also like three whole chapters of like organic chemistry mechanisms and like a lot of information and I'm like I know that she is not going to grade us on all of these mechanisms for a two-page quiz in the two days that she gave us to study for this like she'll put out the study guide Sunday we have a quiz Wednesday and I have classes in between and I have to sleep (laughs) and it's like it would be really nice if she could just like tell me like what will be on the exam and what will not so I can manage my time better I do have a professor who's new this semester and I've never been like more happy taking his class he has like a quiz every week and then he gives you like 30 questions and the quiz will have he gives you the questions beforehand and the quiz will have 
like the questions that he gave you and then the final is just all the questions you've already like kind of looked at and that's it so you know all the questions mm. and it's just like you there's no way you're going to do bad in the class because you have to do it every week and he doesn't add any new content for the final he's just like okay so it's all the stuff you've already kind of done you have all the questions you've answered all the questions here's the final that's like nice. so it's really fun he's really nice so it sounds like you got the common theme it sounds like transparency like you want to kind of know what you whether it's like format of the writing or the questions or the public exam like that all sort of pulls the curtain back a little bit so that you sort of have a sense of what the professor is looking for how you can best prepare like efficiently probably mm -hmm. and effectively so i like this that makes a lot of sense i had just one weird idea that i'd be curious <laughs> to see what you think so in the classes I teach, the thing that I probably value, I don't do tests, so it's all projects, it's all application kind of oriented stuff, um, individual and group stuff, usually some choice. But the thing that I most want the students to do is to engage with the material. So like that may be through participation. So I usually don't do a participation grade or I do it like in class or like online or, you know, like so there's different ways to participate. But I really want them to like, or maybe even think about like in relation to their past experience, how does this connect or, but to be more like thinking for themselves, sort of, if that makes sense. So what if I were to have three or four students that took the class in the previous semester come for that first day of class and be like a panel? And maybe part of that could be like me asking them questions, sort of teasing out like what, how you engaged with the material, how you participated, how you made sense of it, so forth. So sort of structured or semi-structured or whatever. But, you know, let them talk obviously mm -hmm. with what, what they have to say. And then maybe leave. Yeah, I was, I was and let the students because that would be a different way to be transparent, I think, yeah. because you're hearing from other students about like maybe, you know, because I mean, you could imagine like, well, what's the best way to prepare for the quizzes? Or what, you know, or like, I mean, is it an easy class? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is you a hard grader? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. What, does that, I mean, you're shaking hands. Yeah, that, that would be, yeah. yeah. I definitely think you should leave at one point <laughs> or another. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. if they come for like the last 10 minutes yeah. to field questions yeah. or everything, you yeah. you give them structured questions for five, then walk out exactly. of the room. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And just Probably more thinking. than 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah maybe more than, but yeah, but idea though, like mm -hmm. at the end so that I can just, and then, you know, get to leave class a few minutes early. So, yeah. you know, it's, like like it's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because I do think it's like, you know, it's great if you have a friend who took the class mm -hmm. the previous semester, the previous year, so you can kind of pick their brain a little bit about what it was like. But be really cool to be able to, you know, have some, like, you know, came up earlier, some different perspectives. Like, I think I would try to ask students for the panel that, sort of engaged in different ways or maybe had different perspectives. So it wasn't like, you know, you'd, the, they would provide different vantage points of what, what the class was like and how it worked. It's like rate so my professor gone live. <laughs> <laughs> like I would say like, for example, if you were doing this for an English class, I wouldn't, ever, I wouldn't want everyone on the panel to be an English major. Right. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that makes sense. So that would be my first day of class. It would be my ideal kind of thing to do. If I could recruit students, you know, and they'd show up and do it. But um, that's what I'd like to do, I think. Because I'd be curious to hear from them, too. Because that's sort of a way for me to gauge, like, did I meet my goals, you know, that I had for students in the previous year. So Yeah, I think that's a great idea. 
Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> now, after you leave the room, would you be asking those people on the panel what questions no. they were asked? Okay. No. I would be really tempted to. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I would, I'd be like, uh, what was it? Um, was Achilles where he had, was Achilles? No, no. Um, I didn't take Greek. Uh, where he tied him, they had, they had the crew tie to the mast. So when they went by the sirens, he wouldn't be tempted to, but he wanted to hear the song. Oh, Odysseus, mean, thank you. Right. Yeah, I knew it was an Achilles. Odysseus, thanks, Sam. It's been a while since I... All those humanities classes yeah. have paid off <laughs> right there. But yeah, I, so I'd, I'd have to tell them in advance. If I ask you, don't tell me. Yeah, so, because I would be tempted to know. <laughs> me too. <laughs> this is the Steely Podcast. Engage with us. So if I'm sitting down to write or revise my syllabus for next semester. Here's what I think I heard you guys say. To the point, right? You mm -hmm. want to be able to quickly find where the assignments are listed, how they're weighted, if participation is a factor, and if so, how much. You want to be, you want to be clear, sort of what the expectations are, and have a sense of like what, you know, uh, what's going to be involved in the class, and and how you're going to be assessed and, and those kinds of things. Um, it sounds like one way or another you want to get to know what the tone of the class is going to be, the, you know, the professor's style. So whether that's in the syllabus and email and a little video, like a trailer, course trailer, something like that. But one way or another, kind of get a feel for what it's like. And then just hopefully in that first class, maybe spend less time going over the syllabus and more time sort of being transparent about sort of what students can expect. Yeah, I mean, transparency is the word that really wraps it up with the bow. I mean, the transparency of why they're interested in what they're interested in, why the assignments are the way they are, why the course is structured in a way that it's structured, and why like the readings are important. Like all of those things really make it a better experience for everyone. After our conversation, Dr. Holfer and Sam Vito took to the brainstorm board and played a game of Zen syllabus. What will they come up with to create the most student-friendly syllabus containing only essentials? Enjoy! My name is Sam. This is Dr. Ophir, former president of STLI, but president, I like oh, that. director, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> big wig. Um, and we're going to be writing the main parts of the syllabus and kind of crossing them out, seeing what we can make the most succinct, direct Zen syllabus. Syllabus, yeah. All right. I mean, if you want to go first, like let's let's okay. start putting up what's on syllabus. Okay. So obviously, like course name and number, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've written on a chalkboard. Um, we can go with uh, participation. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, attendance. Okay. I'm going to put learning goals right at the center. <laughs> My Steely colleagues will appreciate that. Uh, we'll go with course schedule. Okay. Yep. Uh, Again, maybe like uh, instructor info, office hours. Yeah. Um, 
for a cheat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about like a course description? Yeah, yeah. So I was, just, I was trying to find the word for that paragraph that's always at the top of it. <laughs> and we just need one more. What are we thinking? Um, well, there's like there's like the accessibility, like yeah. sort of the, some of these required statements. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know what you call them. Like, or just go required statements. Yeah, there we go. And I feel like that's one we uh, can't really cross off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that one is going to remain in the in the square. Yeah. Yes. All right. So out of these, in your experience, uh -huh. creating your syllabi. What has been the most thought out one for you? So what, what's the one that you kind of spend the most time for sure. with? Well, these two, assignments and learning goals. Like I start with that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then like first thing I go to is the assignments and think about, okay, like if these are the goals, what's the best way to measure them? So that, that's where I, I spend like probably 80% of my time there. Would course description make more sense being like talked about in like the first class or being talked about like is that something you think needs to be on a syllabus or is that something you can like maybe talk about the first day of class or an email or an introductory video of kind of like what you're expecting, what the course is going to be like, what, what you're like, why you're interested? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, that, I mean, probably it's going to be reflected in the learning goals, right? Mm -hmm. And you know you can see sort of what it's going to actually look like in the assignment. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is something that we could, you know, eliminate. Um, I guess there's still like I guess at least in the school of ed, there's like sort of a catalog description mm -hmm. that I think has to be on the syllabus. But that could be sort of at the bottom. Like I, I push some of those things that aren't like I want to lead with this, mm -hmm. you know, and, and with the assignments. And so, so some of those other things that are important to be there as a reference kind of put down towards the bottom. So maybe so maybe we don't have like make a big deal of the course description being part of it. So I, re I remember Jacob talking about the shopping around aspect yeah, yeah. of like the first week of classes. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with the like the syllabus in general. Yeah. And to me a lot of the things that I look at when I'm shopping around for classes is kind of like the course schedule and participation or like the mm -hmm. two for me that I really yeah. want I want to see I want to see how everything's kind of like factored in yep um, and I feel like those are like the top two for mm -hmm. me especially when I'm looking at it yeah um, assignments yeah but they're also included in like the course schedule I, I do think having them listed out kind of generally is nice but a lot of my professors have like had like Descriptions of the assignments says like other links off the syllabus, kind of like uh, describing. Okay, so them. all right, so yeah, I, I like where you're going with this. So what we do then is we we have the assignments linked, mm -hmm. so they're reflected in the schedule, but it's not a separate thing. So we eliminate that, right? Mm -hmm. And you, um, and then the description kind of like tied into learning goals and elaborated on yeah, it. Yeah, so so maybe we don't need it. So maybe we, and this is, this is maybe done sort of outside, mm -hmm. whether it's in class or in an email or something. Okay, interesting. And I, I instructor info, office hours, that's that's gotta be on there. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's something that's. Cause some of it's like just reference stuff. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. kind of quick and dirty. It's just something that's there. If you Same do. with course name and number. Yep. But I think a lot of these can be tied in 
together. Like uh, attendance and participation are directly correlated. Yeah. Um, yep. So I mean, cross off attendance and just include it in participation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you consolidate them a little bit. Yeah. So you like for instructor info? Do you just want to see like okay? What's the professor's name? Where's their office? What's the office hours? What's the email? Is that all you need, or do I, you want more? On the syllabus. On the syllabus. On the syllabus. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's really the bread and butter of the start of the syllabus. I feel like every class I've taken here has had that distinctly listed at the top. Yeah. And but just keep it real basic. Though. Yeah. I'm, and you can expand on that in other ways. Right. And again, like first class mm-hmm. or video intro or email intro yeah. before class starts, you can, the professor can kind of talk a little bit about their background and like why, like one of the things I always try to do is like say like why I especially like teaching this class. So, but that doesn't necessarily belong. So it's on my syllabus. I'm one of those 11 page syllabus guys. So <laughs> yeah. like this is full disclosure. So like I've got like a whole like about me thing. And then like the course description is about like, why is this topic important? What are some of the big questions? But like I'm hearing you talking around it, that's like better than maybe in person, better than in the flow of the class. And yeah, I, so much on the syllabus. I feel like directly hearing it from like you as an instructor too mm-hmm. means a lot more than it just like being written on the syllabus. That's like it's kind of like it feels like an afterthought mm-hmm. when it's just like written down and typed. But it feels like more passionate when it's yeah. coming from you because yeah, you actually like yeah, care yeah, about yeah, it. And exactly. that's something that you have done a lot of work in. And it's, it's interesting, too, because when I try to write these, I try to write it in sort of like a not super formal tone, more like I'm speaking, but it would be a heck of a lot easier if I just either did like a screencast recording or just mm-hmm. said it in class, you know? So I actually, I like that. So that cuts down a page of my syllabus. It was just right there. So. Yeah. I mean, one thing we could do here is like kind of uh, tally them up with like, in the order of which they should appear on a syllabus. Okay, if, yeah. we're do, if we're doing the Zen syllabus, how are we going to order these? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Yep. So this is number one, obviously. Yeah. Course name, right? Mm-hmm. All right. To probably instructor info. Yeah. Just a quick, easy reference. I I would like learn like learning goals is three. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Kind of just a general. And then schedule. Yeah. Schedules. Probably. Five to participation and attendance and ending with the requires yeah. in the end. And I mean, I think that's clearly lays out yep. who you are with the classes, learning goals, what it's gonna look like for the semester, yep. how you're gonna be graded. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so maybe we add like grading, you know, with participation mm-hmm. you know, kind of a part of that. Because yeah. that's different than the assignments. This right. is like right. know, kind of a description of the assignments and where do they fall on the schedule. And then all the resources yeah, exactly. that are required. Yeah, are... yeah almost like reference. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, Sam, just making these things would cut my syllabus in half. I mean, literally, <laughs> it really would. So, and I like the idea of like kind of, because it really should be about what the students want and need mm-hmm. you know, information about. So, I feel like it's a lot more interactive that way too. Yeah. Otherwise, it's you're just scrolling through, scrolling yeah. through. <laughs> do you like a printed copy or do you like it to just have it online? I could go either way with that one. Okay. I 
I do appreciate the paper copies. I, I do like having it in front of me that first day, kind of like looking through mm -hmm. and uh, like following along and seeing in my hands like what's going on. But also like now you're not that guy that just leaves it on the desk. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, no, I'll leave it in my backpack for this semester. But yeah, I don't think it's makes much of a difference to me whether it's printed or it's on my computer. I I could go either with that. I like it, but I don't need it. Got it. Makes sense. All right. So, I mean, wrapping it up, the Zen syllabus, we start with the course name and number. It's got to be there. Yep. Same with instructor info and office hours. Yep. Clear number two. Yep. And when, when you talk about learning goals, what is something, what, what are you trying to express with learning goals as number three? Like, that's like the first the, the involvement. The five they eight, have. like, most important things that students will walk away with. Perfect. And then, and then course schedule, clearly outlining what's going to be going on, like readings, assignments, everything. Yep. Um, followed up by Grading, percentages, yeah. participation, attendance policy. That's the that. one Bethany's going to get to. <laughs> we established. And then following up with everything else, all the resources that are come into play. So, I mean, I really like this order of the syllabus. I think you engage with what's needed very fast. Yep. When you're shopping around that first week or so, you mm -hmm. kind of know what to expect. Um, I think that's like very student focused. Should be the goal. <laughs> All right, Sam. In our faculty interview, William & Mary's Megan Stinton Miller shares with us on how she creates her syllabus as a living document, one that humanizes the process of learning. Welcome back to the Steely Podcast. We have two very special guests with you, here with us today. Um, please introduce yourself. I'm Diana Tysinger, the Digital Learning Program Manager here with Steely. Hi, I'm Megan Miller. I am a senior lecturer here at, in Psychological Sciences. And we are talking about the syllabus today. Um, and you were so kind enough to send along your syllabus for me to take a glance at. And from the student perspective, I love having the course schedule laid out and a lot of the condensed helpful dates at the top, I really liked seeing that because a lot of my professors don't do that. And it's something that I like when I can just pull up and see like, okay, this week I got something. Mm -hmm. So um, when, when you're writing a syllabus, how do you consider the student perspective? And following on that, how do you put things that you think are important in there that you might not think a student think will think is as important? So I think I've been doing this for a while, um, so I should say that I've been here since fall 2010, so I've learned a lot, um, be it from student feedback, generally from steely interactions, I, I will, will say that has really helped evolve my thinking as an educator. Um, my goals are for students to use the syllabus, because, I mean, how often do we hear professors say, I just read the syllabus? Um, if I can only get them to the first page what they pull up on a Google Doc, mm -hmm. then at least the key due dates are right there. Like they mm -hmm. don't have to hunt for it. Yeah. Because I think sometimes I admit even my syllabi are long. Sometimes they have to be. Um, and you can look and look, and if they can't find something quickly, it's a defeatist thing. And I respect that. We're all really, really busy. So if you put it up front for them, they don't have to look for it. It's embedded later, mm -hmm. um, but if it's up front, you don't have to look for it. And it's like, oh, okay, like you said, oh, I can look, quickly look um, and see what is due. Um, I think that the other goal I have is, for what I put in there is, mm -hmm. you know, 
The bigger picture of students as people, not just as someone in my class, but from an inclusion standpoint, I do have the, the diversity statement that we worked on in the department, and I admit I helped craft that, so of course I'm gonna put that in my, my syllabi. Um, I think I want them to know that I know that they are people, not just this being in my class, but if they're having a mental health problem, an issue with housing or food security, or any number of other things that we know students navigate, um, even if I can't solve it, I can give them resources, or they hopefully it sets a tone. That's kind of the, the goal I have is it sets a tone like, oh, this professor realizes like these things happen, um, and here's information I can privately access without having to talk to someone about it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of kind of one of my bigger goals is you're a person first, a student in my class second. I think that was all covered under, I think it was called like wellness in, in your uh, syllabus, which I think is great language for that too, because that's, we're all trying to live well. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's the benefit. I am a developmental psychologist. My training is human development, family studies. I am on the DEI committee in the department and do some broader level stuff. And I've benefited from, from all of those roles. Um, and I, I guess I, I see integration as important in my syllabus. It reflects also, I guess, hopefully outward who I am as a professor. Have there been any great changes from when you started here as a professor to now in your syllabus creation? Have, have there been things that you have worked on to include that you might not have considered at the start? I think certainly the DEI stuff. I say, unfortunately, like that's newer, and I wish it hadn't been. I wish a lot of things had been, been different and we removed our blind spots, but better late than never. Um, I now embed a lot of things, Google, using Google Docs and, and that platform has changed how I, as you can see, I lose like the little chips, like mm -hmm. I link right out to a reading and I just list a reading. I tell my students, you don't have to use Blackboard for a lot of stuff in my class. Yes, for submission, but if you just keep this Google Doc open the whole semester, um, you can just scroll down and a lot of times link out to my readings, particularly in a seminar. I've embedded them as PDFs. Um, or links to ResearchGate or, or an, an, you know, a podcast mm -hmm. or something. Like, it's everything you need is right there. I certainly did not have a syllabus <laughs> that looked like that in, in 2010. Um, I like that. It's useful to me, too. Like, I don't have to go look for what did I assign. It's all right there. Um, and certainly a lot more of the, the pandemic-related uh, things that I've learned. Like, it's important to always talk about these things. And mm -hmm. now I'm a little bit more more intentional. I think I think of my syllabus more intentional overall than just a document. Um, it's more of a, a living document. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because the question that I had when you were talking about it being a Google Doc is to what extent is your syllabus a living document? What do you do when you need to pivot mid-semester? I always save a new version um, mm -hmm. just for a kind of record keeping, though I do love with Google you can see the history. Um, I, I rarely, I will admit, I rarely change a syllabus unless to put in a clarifying point or something. Um, I see it as kind of a contract between me and students. Like, this is when something's due, and I'm not going to be like, just kidding, <laughs> unless there's an agreed upon discussion. Like, we have an opportunity to, to switch this, or from a mental health perspective, or I don't know, hurricanes have happened since I've been here, or other stuff. Like, it just makes sense to, to move it. And I always honor the original date, but then might might switch it. But it has to be at the, like the class level. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll put in a clarifying thing sometimes, like "Ooh, forgot to put that in," or I'll put in a new link. Um, 
So it's helpful. I just like that. Honestly, I can copy it over easily every semester um, and update things that way. Some of it's that way. It's easy for me to share a syllabus with other people. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I can make the PDF, but I can share it easily with a link, embed it on Blackboard, share it with colleagues, and, and I kind of like being able to do that too. Yeah, I mean, as a student, I use Google Docs a lot. <laughs> uh, it makes things a lot easier. And I do like having that reference point of you can just go into the syllabus and click off the readings, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other classes, you might have to open the syllabus, like go down to the readings, yeah. then go back to Blackboard, and then find the reading in the whole section because it's not like sorted out or anything. <laughs> um, and it, ju it just makes it a lot more user friendly. Uh, you've talked about making your syllabus a living document and having the option of uh, editing or having links embedded, making it accessible. What are other ways besides just Google Docs where you can kind of humanize the syllabus so it's more accessible to students? I think one thing I've been more intentional about is one, having my TAs, when I have a TA, they are usually younger than I am, um, have them read it, not, sometimes just to proofread it, but also <laughs> if there's something they see that would be valuable, mm -hmm. having different voices helps. Um, the other thing I do is around how readings are shared. I put in my, very clearly, there is a copy on Hold and Swim. You do not have to buy this textbook. Um, or you can have an ebook, audiobook, like depending on what kind of book it is. I don't care nicely how you access it. If you like to, if I signed a popular book, um, Being Mortal, I assigned in a class this semester. Listen to it on audiobook while you're at the gym, if you're going home for Thanksgiving. Um, I try to give cues for how to make it manageable, not just what's due, but how to make it manageable. Sometimes if there's something big due, like I've assigned being mortal for the week before Thanksgiving. Around Halloween, I'll put in the assignments. If you haven't started being mortal, you probably want to start it by now. <laughs> so I, sometimes I put in not just what's due, but this is coming up soon, don't forget. Um, because who doesn't need a reminder? Like, oh yeah, that thing, oh yeah. So sometimes I will, will do that, and I think that helps. And of course I go over it in class too, but it's there, it reminds me to remind them in class as well. So maybe those are some other ways to recognize we're all imperfect, we're all forgetful, we're all tired, um, and we all benefit from some reminders. All right. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for your time. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you and get, gaining insights on the syllabus. <laughs> This was so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to our podcast. Follow us on wherever you get your podcasts, and our website is steely.wm.edu. The Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation inspires and advances teaching and learning across Woman Mary. We catalyze community and collaboration at the intersection of innovation, learning, and discovery. The Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation offers faculty, students, and staff from across disciplines opportunities to collaborate with one another and learn about diverse modes of teaching and learning and new technologies. Hashtag Steely. Hashtag William and Mary.